She's a business mogul. Number one. And wellness expert. How can I help? And now Chantel Ray and her amazing guests are here to guide you on your wellness journey. Time to level up. Welcome to the Waste Away Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. And I'm so excited. We have Laurie Lewis of fastforwardwellness.com. And today we are talking about how to get unstuck. There are so many of you who are coming and asking questions. You're like, I feel like I'm doing everything right, but I'm not losing that last 10 pounds. I'm not losing that last 20 pounds or in the beginning of fasting, I was losing all this weight and now I'm in a rut. So if you are in a rut, today is your lucky day because we are going to be talking about how to get unstuck. And Laurie Lewis, welcome. Oh, Chantel, thank you. It's great to be with you again. It's fun to yes. be talking to you and all your listeners and getting unstuck, one of my favorite topics. <laughs> so let's talk real quick about the day in the life of Laurie. Like, what does that look like for you? I'd love to start with that. As specific as you can of what you're doing for what you're exactly eating, what you're not eating, what your eating window is, what your workout routine is, and any kind of hormones or or products that you're using. Okay. Well, the life in a day of Lori Lewis now, I just turned 60. And I've been intermittent fasting for just about six years, and I've never missed a day in nearly six years of having an eating window. So the foundation for my wellness is absolutely knowing that I fast clean every day and I keep an eating window. And so I, um, I'm just so grateful that my health is, is exceptional. I had a a longevity series of longevity tests taken a year ago, and my biological age is 40. So that means that my cellular health, my the health of my mitochondria. So I wake up in the morning, I wake up early, I have a meditation practice, and I really encourage um, my clients and my students and so forth to look for yourself like, what can you do in your morning routine, whether it's prayer or meditation? or walking in nature, or journaling that we have built in for ourselves, what I call quiet time. And so I have my quiet time. I also do yoga. I also do a little bit, I haven't been in a while, a little bit of HIIT workouts with Orange Theory membership, because I really love that extra sweating. But um, mostly my movement is gentle. And then I have an amazing day where I remain in a fasted state because for me, being in a fasted state has me feel energized and focused and productive. And then I really look forward to opening my eating window later in the day. Most of my weight loss time. So let me back up. When I went into menopause at age 49, which is early, mostly the average is around 52. I suddenly gained 50 pounds and I was someone who had been studying nutrition and practicing on myself for over 20 years. I considered myself a really healthy eater. Everybody in my life knew me as someone who was a healthy eater. And so perimenopause and menopause really took me down. It felt like I got pushed in a dark hole. Of, I just 
felt awful. And so the way that I turned that weight around was I learned about intermittent fasting. I started with a 16-8 schedule. We can talk more about that. I moved it to 18-6. And then I discovered for myself that my fasting sweet spot is a 20-hour fast and a four-hour eating window. And that's never changed. You know, people in diet culture think, well, when you get to your goal, you'll just go back to what you were doing before. Maybe some people make some shifts in their fasting hours and their eating window. But for me, it's all about how great I feel. And so I feel amazing having a four-hour eating window. And even like last week, I said I turned 60 and I went to Mexico City and ate all the food in Mexico City. And then I went to New York City and ate all the food in New York City. And I had some longer eating windows. I had some amazing breakfast. I had breakfast at Baltazar. And, you know, so it's flexible. My life is amazing. And then I whoop, swing right back into that 20 and 4 schedule when I return home and I feel so well. So that's a little snapshot of the daily life of Lori Lewis. <laughs> so what I'm hearing you say is, in general, you eat in a four-hour eating window when you maybe have a special occasion or you're on vacation, you might increase that to a six hour or seven hour eating window. But for the most part, most days are in a four hour eating window. Is that right? That's right. And then with traveling, I mean, one of the most amazing things is as an intermittent faster, flying fasted, that helps the body adjust to the new time zone. So I have a rule for myself that I'll drink a cup of coffee at home and then I fly water only from door to door. And then I anticipate the delicious food I'll be eating at the other end. But it's amazing how that helps resolve the challenges of jet lag. So I've been in all sorts of time zones in the last few weeks, and I just arrive at my new time zone. I eat an amazing meal. I sleep at the time that you would at that new time zone. And boom, I hit the ground running. So and yes, Sometimes I'll have a longer eating window or I'll slide it earlier and then fast longer the next day. But there's nothing about it that's punitive. There's nothing about it that's, oh, I was bad and now I have to try to be good. No, no, no. This is all in the context of how good can I possibly feel? There is nothing more important than me feeling really well. And so I'm going to make choices each day that have me feel my very, very best. And so there's no punishment in that. I always say this is not about being good, like trying to be good. This is about feeling good. And I make all my choices based on what's going to have me feel amazing. So with that being said, one of the things I talk about in my book, Waste Away and One Meal in a Tasting, is that there's different uh, foods like I call them red foods. Like these are foods that you just know if you personally eat them, you're going to feel awful. Yellow foods is like, I'll eat it every once in a while because it's kind of like, I'll try not to have them, but every once in a while I will have them. And then green foods are like, go, right? Like when I eat these foods, I feel great. I know I'm going to feel good. What would that, what would those red, yellow, and green foods be for you? Well, the red foods are definitely sugar. So I had an experience in my late 20s. So that was over 30 years ago where I woke up one day and I was like, hmm, I think this Diet Coke might not be good for me. <laughs> it was just a moment in time. I just kind of a soft wake up. But it was such a strong, you know, still small voice that I listened to it. So I weaned myself off all sweetness. 
30 years ago. And so for me, I'm very tuned in, especially now as an intermittent faster. We have a heightened discernment, a heightened sensitivity of the foods that make us not feel well. And sweetness and sugar are definitely in that camp. Um, even things like crackers and, you know, so ultra processed food I put in the red zone. And then in the yellow zone, you know, there's some in the red zone for me also, like quinoa messes up my stomach. I can eat beans. Great. But black beans, heck no. You know, so the, it's cashews, sadly, no. Um, there are foods that I've discovered over the last few years as an intermittent faster. I'm very clear those foods don't make me feel well. I'm going to jump over the yellow because nothing's coming to mind immediately. Um, but in the green, yay, yum, all dark, bitter, leafy greens. You just pile up a bunch of kale and spinach and arugula for me and I am happy. And then sweet potatoes and beets and hummus and bell peppers. And I mean, just, oh, I just open up the fridge. I don't enjoy cooking that much. And I don't like spending a lot of time on food preparation. So the way I prepare food is I call it my chop and pile method. I take a big bowl, I dump a bunch of greens in, I open up my fridge and I'm like, okay, what do I have in here? I chop a bunch of stuff, pile it all up, make sure it's got some good fat on it, some avocado, some, you know, I, and sprinkle some hemp seeds, some pumpkin seeds. Like, yeah, you can tell all that stuff makes me really happy. So let's talk about the sugar piece, because I think yeah. one of the things that happens, I know for me, this is for me, I eat sugar and then I'm like, that's it. I feel terrible. My joints mm. hurt. I don't feel good. I'm done. And then I get back into the sugar route. And I love what you just said is just like, I'm cut it out completely. So Talk about the process to do it and what's it going on in your mindset to cut it out completely? Well, that is a big, giant question. And so I guess I would invite each person to think like where you are on a spectrum. Like how deeply does the sugar monster have its claws in you, right? So you said, Chantel, that, you know, for you, you decide, ooh, it's based on that makes me feel awful. I do not like how I feel when I have that. So if you have that awakening and that realization and that's physical sensations and that, you know, mental wake up and and thoughts about, oh, you know, I don't feel good. That's very motivating. And then you can kind of take a step back from it and see, oh, when do you start again? What causes that? Right. So on a spectrum of um, how addicted you are or how deeply it affects you. We're all different. And so for me, I'm really grateful that 30 years ago, I had that quiet awakening that it might not be good for me. And what I did, I feel like in hindsight, this was brilliant, you know, was that I decided that all those things aren't food. So I started lumping the things into a category of there's food and there's not food. And so for me, refined sugar and all ultra processed food, like breakfast cereal, crackers, became not food for me. So it's fine. Is it okay for me to eat it? Sure. I would have to have choose like how, you know, how's it going to make me feel and how delicious is it? And is it of a good quality? And is it going to be yummy? Go for it. I'm allowed. It's just 
it's in a category of it's not food, air quotes, not food to me. And so then food are all those real, natural, whole things that either swam or walked or grew from the ground. And that's what food is for me. And that's a practice of 30 years. And um, so I think each individual first needs to realize, does this make you feel well or not? And then there's a whole factor of why am I actually eating this? You know, every person I meet these days describes themselves as an emotional eater. Everyone says, I'm an emotional eater. Well, our ancestors didn't have that luxury. That's very normal in our society when food is available 24-7 and the food is designed to, to it perfectly engineered to keep us addicted to it. For people to deal with loneliness, anger, sadness, motivation, every emotion we can think of, we deal with with food. But our ancestors didn't have that problem. <laughs> they, they, there actually was very little food. It came uh, infrequently. So yeah, the conversation of not eating sweetness and choosing not to eat ultra-processed food really starts with realizing that it isn't our friend. Let's just take a minute and let's talk about my latest discovery. Listen, this is the hottest super nutrient packed product that's going to boost your brain and your overall well-being. First of all, as soon as I tried this product, I became a fan of it and was blown away by the immediate result. I felt focused. My mind was clear. It just doubled my mental performance. So this product has the superpowers of mushroom extracts and collagen. So it has four of the best health-boosting mushrooms. It's got lion's mane, chaga, cordyceps, and reishi, collagen, and Peruvian cacao. So when you combine all of these, the four mushrooms and the collagen, it is going to energize your brain and your body. It's called Kala Genius. So check it out, newtopia.com slash wasteawaygenius and use the code wasteaway10 during checkout. So what I want to talk about right now are just your top simple ways to break through a weight loss plateau. And let's say that you maybe, you know, just went on vacation, you gained four or five pounds, you kind of let your eating window go a little more, you ate a little bit more. I'll go over a couple of mine that I feel like right. I have to look at and then I'd like for you to share yours. Um, for me, when I'm in a, in a plateau, one of the things I have to realize is when I need to cut back on some bad carbs that I'm eating. For me, I have to be really careful with grains. Um, if I eat too many grains, I A, don't feel good. I end up eating too much of them. And so that's when I have to just kind of realistically look at, you know, what kind of grains am I eating and am I overdoing it on that? Um, number two is just really just overeating. Like there are times where I'm so stressed at work, I can physically tell that I am just, you know, running to food instead of running to God for comfort. And so it's not 100% that I'm always going, okay, I'm going to go for a walk or do something productive like that. 
Um, sometimes my workout regimen, I think for me, I, I love what you said earlier about um, your lighter workouts. I feel like when I do more walking or Pilates or things like that, uh, I end up actually losing more weight because I'm not so, so ravenous. Sometimes I go to this like F45, which is like this intense workout. And sometimes when I do that, I can tell that I'm just feeling like I'm just more hungry and I eat a lot more. And then another thing that I look at is just my protein level. Anytime I, you know, in am looking at my protein count and that just not measuring it, but just kind of saying like, how much protein am I eating? The more protein I'm eating, uh, I'm feeling better. I'm doing better um, looking at that. And I also would say looking at my fiber, just how much fiber am I am I looking at um, makes a big difference. And I would also say uh, decreasing my intermittent fasting window. So I generally eat in about a six hour eating window, but I'm with you. If I, if I want to stay thinner than I am right now, which I want to be thinner than I am right now, I'm, I really do well with that four hour eating window. That, that is kind of a really great place for myself as well. And I feel like I was doing four and then I kind of pushed it to five. And now I've kind of gotten back into that six hour eating window. And um, just really looking at my vegetable count, like how much vegetables am I getting in? And also just really looking at my sleep, making sure my sleep is really, really good. Every once in a while, um, you guys know I take um, this magnesium that I'm obsessed with, and I just love um, being able to take that magnesium. And when I don't take it, it really makes a big difference in um, how I'm feeling. And I use the magnesium breakthrough, and it's because I feel like literally my sleep is so much better when I take it. So what would you kind of say, like if, when you're in a rut, kind of some of those things that you go, all right, let me just start evaluating what is it that I need to kind of go down this checklist and say, am I doing this? Am I doing that? Okay. So step one, I think the most important thing is that the context be gentle that you put yourself into a frame of mind. So we tend to think, oh no, the only way I can ever achieve anything, the only way I can motivate myself is to beat myself up and push hard. No, no, no. Let's step into the world of being kind and gentle to ourselves. The world of this is about feeling good. This isn't about trying to be good. This isn't punishing myself for all sorts of bad behavior. You know, this is an opportunity to be really kind and gentle and good to yourself. Okay, stand there. Then, with fasting as your foundation, I always keep it very, very simple. And step one is there's two parts to every day. There are fasting hours and your eating window. What's it been? You take a look. What's it been? As you just said, it's been around six. Okay. I And you know you feel really well with four. Awesome. That isn't a hard stretch. That's like you already know you feel great doing that. So how can we fast clean, tighten up that eating window, not as a punishment, because that has you feel amazing. Okay, from there, step one, reestablish your fasting foundation. 
then, as you said, take a look at those food choices. It's like, okay, what foods make me feel awesome? I love your, you know, red, yellow, and green. Okay, in this time when you want to tighten things up, reduce the red and yellow, increase the green. It's pretty simple. Eat the foods that make you feel really amazing. That feels, again, like a gift to yourself, a treat to yourself. I also would start by taking a look at what I call your dashboard. The scale is not the only measure on the dashboard. So when people are wanting to tighten things up, maybe lose a, you know, a little excess fat, have your clothes feel a little better, move the marker on, you know, some health numbers, um, you want to look at your starting point. And I really recommend that people get on the scale for three days in a row, add it up, get your three-day average, that's your baseline, put the scale away. Because the scale is a distraction. When, when you wonder how you're doing, we want to tune in and see how you're feeling. We don't want to constantly look, be looking at that external you know, box on the bathroom floor to tell us how we're doing. So I'd put on maybe some clothes that feel a little tight some, and you know, just have on your dashboard a few different measures so that in a month or two weeks, you can revisit those measures but you're not looking at them every day frantically wondering how you're doing. That the way you know how you're doing is to tune inward and ask how you feel. So then I would absolutely start focusing. You mentioned overeating. One of the ways to deal with not overeating is really tuning into what does satiety feel like? What is it? And this intermittent tightening up your clean fasting and tightening up your eating window really helps your body, you know, you have this communion with your body, this conversation, this understanding, this discernment of what does hunger being gone feel like? What does it feel like to feel satisfied? And then notice all the noise in our heads of, oh, but I want more of that and I don't want to be full yet and I want to eat everything. And then that gets very emotional and the noise starts again. So we actually want to tune into satiety and that aspect of appetite correction where our own body is saying, you can stop eating now. We're good. <laughs> and stop eating when, so there's a physical sensation that happens that you sit down, you're excited to eat and you're eating, eating, eating. And all of a sudden you might put your fork down and lean back in your seat and kind of sigh like, oh. That sigh is an indication that your body is satisfied. You could stop eating now. But mostly we don't. <laughs> we, we override it. And so during this time, if you're, you're tightening things up and you've got some extra pounds to lose or you want your clothes to fit better um, and you want to move the needle on that, tune into satiety and, and uh, stop eating when the sigh kicks in. And then the other thing, as you said, I'm just going to keep underscoring everything you said, which is sleep. Prioritizing as a good sleep hygiene. Get that room dark. Turn off the electronics. Um, turn lights down early in the evening and listen to some soothing music and light some candles and get in bed early and cool the room down and read an actual book. And so sleep is, we know we love it and we know we don't get enough of it, but I think that we don't know how incredibly uh, what an incredible contribution it makes to reducing stress and in our overall health 
and our body's ability to release excess fat. I loved I loved what you said of how to tune into satiety. I, I love the way that you said that because I always say, like, am I truly hungry? Like, ask myself, am I truly hungry right now? Am I truly full? Or am I just continuing to eat, eat, eat? But I, I like the way that you phrase that and just constantly ask, ask yourself, am I tuning into my satiety? That's a really good way that you put that. And, you know, one thing that just is coming up for me that I think about, you know, I, before I knew a word about intermittent fasting, what happened was I interviewed all these women, hundreds of women, and I said to them, tell me, you know, what do you do? What do you do for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? And what happened was they never mentioned the word intermittent fasting. I'm telling you, all the women I interviewed, because this was a while ago, right? right. A long time ago. They never said it. And they'd say, you know, I just, I'm not really hungry until, you know, around one o'clock or two o'clock. So I just have coffee in the morning and, you know, and then it just kind of added up and I'm like, oh my gosh, all these women, you know, I literally at Ritz Carlton, I'd be on the beach. I have them on video, literally saying all this stuff. And I'd say, would you mind if I videoed you? I mean, like perfectbody.com, all these ladies, women in their forties and fifties. And that's how I wrote my first book, Waste Away, is from that. And one of the questions that I just realized is that I always said to them, so if you gain, because I don't care how thin you are, every woman that I know lets themselves at some point gain four to six pounds. Like they just will. I mean, I, I don't care For how sure. thin they are. They allow themselves sometimes to gain four or six pounds, who knows, for whatever reason. And I say to them, now, let me ask you, when you get to that point where you gain, you know, four or five pounds, what is it that you do to get back on that weight? And, I, and thinking back, the majority of the women would say, I cut back on sugar items, whatever has sugar in it, even if I don't need a ton of sugar, yep. any kind of sugar and bad carbs. I really reduce that. So if they were one of those people that, you know, ate bread, they ate bread, that was fine. But they would say, you know, I might just skip the bread or I would skip the dessert or I would really pull back on those two things. Even if they were one of those people who just never had cut that out completely. Like there are tons of those women who I interviewed. They don't do it kicking and screaming, right? So mindset is so important. If someone's going to just, all right, it looks like I've got four to six pounds to lose, or it seems like I'm a little squishy above the waistband of my jeans. What, what I hear you saying is those women that you interviewed made a choice to cut some food out for a short amount of time to move that needle, and they didn't hate that. So one of the things that I face in coaching so many people is people's mental state and emotional state around uh, feeling like, oh, it's not fair. And why do I have to in this whole experience of deprivation? And people, especially women who are lean and fit past menopause and into the later years have rules for themselves. And I think they don't hate those rules. 
I think they relate to those rules and guidelines as a support structure, a support system to have them feel their absolute best, which also could include looking their very best and keeping their doctors happy with health markers that are optimized. So that shift from, well, I've been doing this to I need to, I'm going to tighten things. I'm excited about tightening things up a bit and I'm not going to eat X, Y, and Z for however you know long they decide. It isn't a problem. It's just how it is. And I would also say as we age that for me, I kind of have a weight range. There's not a one number. I think mostly people have a goal weight number and it's one number. I really encourage people to have a kind of a zone. And for me, if I go outside that zone, there's a top end, (laughs) top side to that. That's when I you know, tighten on my eating window. Maybe I'll do a longer day fast. I tend to be in a routine of having one longer fast a week. And sometimes I slip away from that. So one of the first things I'll do is be like, oh, when was the last time I did a 36 hour fast? Okay, I'll do that on Monday, you know, and not as a punishment. But because I know I'm going to have this deep cellular repair, I'll probably sleep really well. I'll be happy to wake up on the morning after that long fast, and then I can have an eating day. Like, it's just all good news. And so um, not resisting and not hating the opportunity to tighten things up and treat myself better and better and better, I think is a factor in the equation, that it's just something we look forward to, is a more opportunity to be good to ourselves. Yeah, I I think that that's a really good way that you put that too, because I am really big on not depriving yourself because I do believe that there's a massive cycle that happens. So like if you say, I'm not going to have this, I'm not going to have this, I'm not going to have that, then you deprive yourself and then you eat it, then you overeat, then you feel bad about yourself and you're in this horrible cycle. But I'm also a big proponent of going, okay, if I, within reason, get to the place where I go, okay, I've made the decision, like you, you're you just saying right there, I can have whatever I want out of this, 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 and this. I'm eating whatever I want, but sugar, maybe like, you know, processed sugar, I don't do well with. So I have to make it a decision. It's almost like alcohol where I go, I know when I eat this, it triggers in me. And now I'm not just eating one piece of chocolate. I'm eating five pieces and 10 pieces and I'm getting out of control with it. It's it's finding that perfect balance. And I think that we all need to find that. And it it really is one of those things where it's like, like, let me ask you this. You've said, hey, I don't eat sugar, but tell me what you do eat that fills that maybe that sugar tank or you go, I fill myself with this, this and this and I love this so much because what I'm hearing you say is I've decided to give this up, but I don't feel deprived. Would would yes. I be right in saying what, 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 what that oh, is? A hundred percent. Well, Oh, there's so many ways that I could answer this. Let's see. So if someone's dealing with a sugar challenge, um, first off, having a tightened up eating window 
will start having a person realize that in that beautiful little eating window that you have, you want to fuel yourself well. Like as Jen Stevens, who wrote Fast Feast Repeat and Delay Don't Deny, I know you know her, she um, calls it being a food snob. It's like, why would I have mediocre food in my gorgeous eating window? So we elevate and upgrade the quality of our food in our eating window. And we feel like, well, if I have this wonderful little precious eating window, I'm going to actually eat foods that nourish me well and make me feel amazing. And there's less room for eating crap. Okay. So definitely that is an advantage of having a tight eating window. Another advantage of a tight eating window is we then become practiced at finding other ways to cope with stress, finding other ways to cope with loneliness, sadness, anger, fear, all of the things that we gravitate towards food right now, you know, ultra processed food right now to resolve. When you have an eating window later and you're upset this morning, you got to find other things to do to make yourself feel better and cope and calm yourself and soothe yourself. So then you get practiced at that. So then the other thing is regarding replacing one food for another. I learned for myself, and I'm observing this in, in others, is that I think it's a mistake when we cut out refined sugar to replace that refined sugar with other sweetness. So we're always chasing sweetness. Oh, I can have monk fruit. Oh, I can have stevia. It's like, then we're still solving this. You're not solving the addiction to sweetness. So I have found that I have, you know, our taste buds regenerate every two weeks, all new taste buds. So if you do an experiment. If you cut out sweetness for two weeks and you focus on bitter teas and bitter greens and, you know, that, then if you eat sweetness again after two weeks, it's going to taste like ultra sweet. Like you can't even believe how sweet it is. So I have actually weaned myself off, or I did 30 years ago, weaned myself off sweetness. So what brings me pleasure? is not chasing sweetness. I love, I, I mean, I was just in, and um, where was it? Costa Rica. <laughs> I was just in Costa Rica and I bought this beautiful chocolate that's 100% cacao. 100%. There's nothing else in it. And most people will be like, that tastes horrible. There's not even an ounce of sweetness in it. But to me, it I can taste this these layers of complexity of this beautiful cacao. And that is really incredibly satisfying. And um, I don't know if that answers your question, but finding yeah. pleasure in, in other ways, making ourselves feel better in other ways. And for me, it's more gentle and quiet and not found in food. So if you've been enjoying the show, please give us a review on Apple Podcast or whatever platform you're listening to. Take a screenshot of it and email it to questions at chantalrayway.com. The first 15 people who do that will get an amazing free gift. You will get an exclusive interview of the thin eaters and what they do to stay thin and make sure they stay in trim top shape. Go to Apple Podcasts, take a snapshot of it, email it to questions at chantalrayway.com and I'll send you your gift. And if you don't feel like making the review and you want to pay $79 to get this video, it is well worth it. Just go to chantalrayway.com and download it and buy it. Yeah, I, I want to say this for me, this is, 
I want to go over this deprivation cycle because I believe yes. that anytime someone feels this way, it starts with feeling deprived. Then it's this overwhelming urge to eat. Then you binge. Then you feel out of control and ashamed. Then you diet to regain the control that you felt like you lost. Now you feel deprived again. So with that, yes, I am just so against that because I really believe if you deprive, 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 that cycle will keep happening. And it's so, so bad. And that's why you get into this plateau. But at the same time, it is a it is a big difference between you also making something where you say, okay, I can eat all these things over here in moderation, but there may be some choices like refined sugar. I'm I'm big on not having, you know, these oils. Uh yeah. these refined oils are so bad, they cause so much inflammation. But there's a couple things that you go. When I eat this, this, and this, there's so much inflammation going on in my body that I'm just making a choice not to eat that. So maybe I'll have chips, but I'm going to have potato chips made with avocado oil or made with olive oil because I'm not going to put that kind of toxicity in my body, but I'm still going to have chips, but I'm going to have these instead. And then you creating these boundaries that you're still not feeling deprived, but you're making some choices that you say, these things right here, I know I'm going to feel so bad eating them that I'm choosing to eliminate that, but I'm not deprived because I'm allowing all this over here. Yes, we can get really excited around the foods that make us feel amazing, right? So again, this is all about tuning into, starting with fasting as a foundation because daily fasting actually heightens that discernment. It heightens our ability to tune in to what makes us feel poorly and what makes us feel amazing. It helps us tune into satiety and fullness and actual hunger. So then we have this beautiful foundation of I have this awareness of what makes me feel well and what makes me feel poorly. And I am very interested in making the choices that have me feel amazing. And so then it just occurs as a joy, a pleasure, not a limitation. I say, you know, having a daily fasting schedule and eating the foods that make me feel amazing are a replenishment, not a punishment. And if there's any aspect of this that feels like a struggle, stress or strain or an overwhelm or a punishment for someone, that's where we want to go to work on mindset and the schedule that works best for you. Like, I just love in my coaching that I am listening for where is a person struggling and I'm going to dig in there and make it better, <laughs> make it much better. And, you know, at the top of the, our conversation, you talked about feeling stuck. And people really do deal with weight loss resistance. And, and you said many people are like, I'm doing everything right and I still can't move the needle. And that's an area that I really love digging in with people. We've got to look at perimenopause and menopause and a person's age. And, and are you doing gentle movement and your health markers like fasting insulin, which they don't test for and inflammation, which 
it's it's not common to get those tests, but we want to ask our doctors for that. And and um, I think that the medications that a person is on could be contributing to weight loss resistance. So that stuckness, it isn't always easy to move the needle with just four or five steps. Sometimes we really do have to dig in deeper. All right. This next one is a question from Roy Clinton. It says, hi, my name is Roy and I'm an over the road trucker. I don't know what that means. Yes, I do. I do. Long haul trucker. Yeah. That's a person who like drives from St. Louis to to Seattle and drops off their shipment and drives all the way back. And, you know, yeah. My question (laughs) is, can my eating fluctuate, eating window fluctuate, like maybe noon to eight one day and two to 10 the next day and so on. It's really hard in my profession to eat during the same eight hour window daily as my work slash sleep schedule varies day to day. Roy Clennon. Okay, Roy. Well, I want you to talk to my friend Rob. He has the same job you do. And um, he eats in a four hour eating, four to five hour eating window every day. And he takes his food with him and you can absolutely change up your eating window. So what you want to do, everybody out there, you want to wake up today and ask yourself, when's my eating window today? And every day you have one, whether it's two hours long or 12 hours long, every day you decide when you're eating. And so if an eight hour eating window works great for your health goals and your weight, and that works well for your schedule, you can choose to have it from 10 to six or noon to eight or two to 10, you know, it's totally your choice. And so some people like to really focus on the fasting hours, like they always make sure they get in their 18 hour fast. Other people prefer focusing on the eating window. So let's say, you know, I decide a four hour eating window works great for me or an eight hour eating window works great for you. You get to say when in the day that eight hour eating window is. And some days it's earlier, some days it's later, some days it's shorter, some days it's longer, but you get to say when it is. So congratulations for being an intermittent faster in a job that you're kind of out there alone on the road and you could be eating a lot all the time and you're consolidating your eating to your eating window. And um, that probably makes you feel a lot, lot better. All right. This next one is from Heath. I'm getting some tingling on my fingers and I can't figure out why. I know this is random, but can you give me some reasons of why this could be happening? Well, I would say talk to your doctor. That could be really, you know, important to discover and get your blood, you know, get your lab work done. Um, I'd make sure that you're sleeping well. I'd make sure you're hydrated. I would make sure you're taking magnesium and and um, I would tighten up your eating window. I'd have a pretty short eating window for a while and be sure you're fasting clean with plain unflavored water, plain unflavored black coffee, plain unflavored bitter black or green tea. And then notice when that tingling is happening. Is it happening all the time? Is it happening at certain fasting hours? Is it happening after you eat certain things? So whenever we're troubleshooting, we kind of want to look at when is it and how long does it last? What else are you doing? And you definitely want to talk to your doctor. All right. This next one is from Janine Rockwell. 
says, I started December 2022 with a clean fast for 19 hours and then eating in around a six-hour eating window. Did that for 28 days, and then I changed it up to up and down days. Okay. Three days of a 36-hour fast. Mm-hmm. Four days, no fast, eat within reason. Not losing weight. What am I doing wrong? Will you be addressing this on the podcast session or on a past session? First, I'm the question's a little bit. We need to first translate the question a little bit. Um, did you understand the question? Yeah, I'll translate that. So she's doing an alternate day fasting schedule, an up day, down day approach. So her fasting day would be 36 hours, and then the follow, which is a down day, and then the following day would be an eating day. So she's doing three days a week of a down day, a fasting day, three days a week of an up day, an eating day. And then I assume that fourth day, the seventh day, uh, would be an eating window. Um, I would say that if you're not losing weight, I would look, I, I have a lot of questions. I need to know your age. I need to know what medication you're on. I need to know how you're sleeping. I need to know if you're hydrating. I need to know if you're eating ultra-processed food. I need to know on your up days, your eating days, are you actually paying attention to satiety? Are you are you over, are you eating past satiety? The other flip side of that is, are you eating enough? So a lot of times when someone does alternate day fasting, they think, well, I'm doing my fasting days and then I'm just going to eat little amounts of food. And then you're combining calorie restriction with fasting, which never works. Okay. So, so you want to tune into satiety. You want to eat well, eat a wide variety of nutrients, and then you want to pause and you want to eat later when you're actually hungry again and eat later when you're actually hungry again and then have your fasting. So um, another thing is you could ask your doctor for a continuous glucose monitor so you can see what your blood sugar is doing. Um, and how much stress do you have in your life? And are you sleeping well? And are you meditating and spending time in nature? I mean, there are a lot of what are your thyroid numbers? And and again, circle back to what medication are you on? So a lot of things to look at. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, on the alternate day fasting, a lot of people call it the ADF, where, like you said, the basic idea is you fast one day, you eat what you want the next day, fast one day eat what you want the next day. What I feel like happens sometimes with that is that people who do that, they when they get to the next day, they get so hungry that then they go crazy because they're like kind of ravenous. It's like 36 hours of not eating continually. And then they're just so, so hungry. And then they don't make good choices on what they're eating. And then they're just like, oh, well, I'll be fasting again tomorrow. What do you think about that? Uh, As far as a lot of people who do that alternate day fasting, um, maybe that could be an issue as well. I think that that could happen for sure. I think that what happens most often is if a person's fat adapted, they are actually not that hungry. So they wake up on the morning after they fasted for 36 hours, they wake up on their eating day and they're actually not that hungry. And so then they wait until the afternoon 
and then they shove in a ton of food in a short amount of time. So it's a, it is a matter of wake up on your, so I have a client actually who, um, did alternate day fasting in the past and was miserable and it didn't work. And then she was coached by me and we, you know, troubleshooted. And one of the most important aspects is she does wake up on that update on that eating day and she eats in the morning. And that actually, uh, it's just, it's just the best way to start the update is to eat in the morning and then eat lunch later and then eat dinner later and eat slowly and mindfully and really enjoy your food. And then for some people, alternate day fasting is not the solution. So we need to look at more deeply, like where we and just need slowly, to slowly, slowly. I'm telling you, that's my biggest problem in life is I eat so fast. I talk about it in my book, like the one thing you can guarantee that I do not have dialed in is I am not a slow eater. I've tried and tried and tried and I haven't. <laughs> we are way, way out of time. You have to run. I have to run. So tell listeners where they can find you and where they can follow you. Well, I am at fastforwardwellness.com. I don't I'm not active in social media because I actually spend a lot of time, all my time, coaching people and leading my programs and leading my classes. I'm starting a group program on April 12th. It's my foundation program. And that, the information on that is at fastforwardwellness.com. And I, people can download a free guide if you're out there going, okay, I need to start up again. Or, I, you know, or you're curious and have never tried it. You can go through my checklist of how to start. And definitely write me and tell me what you're struggling with. And and I'd love to be your coach. So it's it's um, a great joy to be helping people with their daily fasting schedule and, and feel so good about themselves. Well, I want to say thank you so much for all you're doing in the fasting community. It is amazing. And I personally, myself, I'm going to, you know, Lent, I didn't do anything for Lent this year. Um, some of you guys practice it, some of you don't. Um, but you don't even have to believe in God if you want to, you know, <laughs> something for Lent, like it doesn't matter, right? But what I am going to do is I am definitely going to give up sugar. So if you're not in our Facebook group and you want to join us in there, I'd love for you guys to join us in that group and give up one thing. Sometimes it is good for you to just give up one thing, maybe shorten your window a little bit, give up one thing. You guys stay tuned. We've got another episode coming up in just a few. Bye-bye for now. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.